this is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hey, hey, welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rantcast. I think I'm the only person in the room with the lights on because currently both Ryan and Darren look like Manny Riz. Um, those of you who remember Manny, Manny's an original ass brother. He's Congolese and he's black as fuck. And <laughs> start the show with a normal generative comment of some description. Um, <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> how's your week, buddy? What's going on? Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, I'm fucking so tired. Six o'clock in the morning. I got no sleep, and I just put my contacts in, and my eyes. It, it, it looks like I'm crying, and well, fuck it, I am crying. I woke up to the news that Al Nenny's gonna miss a considerable amount of time. He apparently got hurt during Fulham, and it's a pretty serious I injury. Did not, I did not read that. I hadn't yeah. seen that or, today. Ornstein literally tweeted this ten minutes ago. So uh, yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit shaken as El Nenny is the best player on this team. Well, he's my best player, um, but yeah, so a little, little uh, trying to reel, reel from that, and RT still hurt. So, but yeah, what was the, what was the news won. on a, what was the news on TP? Was there a, was there a defined return it's, date? So it's quad, I know it's quad again, isn't it? Which we know is it's, dodgy. It's his, it's his right thigh. Which, but here's the funny part. I, I heard. I heard rumors that it might not be an injury, but I don't know, and I won't get into that because I'm not going to speculate anything. Yeah, you're fine. But um, yeah, I, I I didn't see him at the game against Fulham, so I don't I don't know what's going on with him. But yeah, they say it's a it's a right thigh injury. Um, but yeah, we we now need him back more than ever. And we're. Yeah, we'll I wonder if it. that means you'll see some Zinchenko action into midfield. Because we know that Lukonga in preseason was playing more advanced. He wasn't sitting in the deep role. And I don't know that I'm ever going to be comfortable seeing Xhaka behind the halfway line again after this after this start to the season. That's not fucking amazing. We're, we're pretty depleted in genuine number six roles, I think. It's sort of TP and El Nenia are only two genuine number sixes. Lekonga's never made me feel confident with him in a deep lying role, nor is Xhaka. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what we do, especially, you know, the transfer window uh, coming to a close in a couple of days. Are we going to make a panic signing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's really panic when we we really don't have anybody. I I, I know Sambia said in interviews he sees himself as a six, so maybe he'll force to play there. Or we could, you know, maybe see – which I agree. I don't want to see him there either. But maybe we'll see Jaka there. Maybe Sammy plays a left eight. Um, you know, I, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what we do because, uh, yeah, we have. I'm not worried about Villa, but uh, I'm not know. sure. There's a sorry. There's a comment here from from wow. Mr. Yeah. Arsenal podcast saying we might up our efforts for Tillemans. I'm not sure Tillemans is that six either. So I don't know how that solves us particularly. That's just another eight. It's just another eight thrown into the mix. You still end up having it. That's yeah. rocked me, Ryan, because I was quite comfortable with El Nenny there. Like I was fine. I was like, I don't, I don't care. El Nenny. Oh, yeah, I thought, I thought he was, I thought he was really solid. Did everything he needed to do. Not a problem. Yeah, I mean, also, 
You could put Ben White there even. I, I mean, Ben White's known to play a little defensive midfielder too. I don't know. There's so many things we could do. I don't know what the fuck he's going to do. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm cold. I'm alone. I'm ashamed lying naked on the floor. I don't know. That's a, that's a song I think. Some girl Natalie Ambrulia. Australian yeah. girl. I Born. always wanted Born. to fuck Natalie Ambrulia. She's hot. Hot. Always wanted to fuck it. Good morning, Darren. As we can't no, see you, we, we can only we well we can't <laughs> see you, so we can only assume that you're there in some description. Look, you can tell this good-looking profile anywhere, can't you? Fuck. Look, I'm just be thankful I'm on it. Yep. Yep. How you doing, Dazza? Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Sorry, I was late. I was uh, <laughs> I flapped my mic in upside down, and uh, <laughs> it took me ages. I restarted the computer and everything, then realised I was just. Uh, no. Same thing happened to uh, <laughs> Ryan the first time he fucked a man. It took him a while to work it out, and then he got it together, and he was like, these parts, these bits, they're not meant to be here. He unplugged it. He walked away, and he came back, and he said, I, I know what's wrong now. That was Ryan's first trip to, it's first funny, trip to so Thailand. I'm going to do a deep dive here. No one's probably seen the show. It's called Time the Book of Pure Evil. It's, it's a Canadian show. It's like heavy metal and gore but it's it's comedy it's funny um and one of the one of the main characters in the show his name's atticus and you find out that he lost his virginity to a werewolf and they keep nice. flashbacks of him just like you know full moon thunder in the background and he's just like scared whimpering and like humping a tree and then there's a werewolf in the background uh howling. wait 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 did uh, the werewolf like did me. the werewolf fuck him or did he fuck the werewolf you know, I don't. I don't know if it's actually mentioned. I'm pretty sure the werewolf fucked him. Because I reckon you'd get fucked, like you would get fucked by a werewolf. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Lose, if I would... Before we lose all of our five <laughs> listeners, for fuck's sake, I'm bored out of my tits listening to you two talking <laughs> nonsense. Uh, Darren, El Nenny's out of the team. Thomas Party's out of the team. Our our options are getting slim. Obviously, we've got Sambi Lakonga there. Um, we've got Zinchenko who can move into a midfield position, but my understanding was they were all eights. What are you doing this weekend to, uh, in an effort to replace the irreplaceable El Neni? Well, I think the problem you've got is that you mentioned Zinchenko, which is the obvious replacement, and he's injured. He was wearing a fucking yeah. knee brace on the last game. Oh, I thought he was. I thought it was a one game. I thought it was a precautionary. Well, he, had a, he had a brace on his knee, so it didn't look good when he was um, when he was celebrating. He, he ran along the touchline with his knee in a brace. Didn't look yeah. very good. Uh, I reckon that's uh, that's right from Nana. I reckon it's Lakonga's the next man up. You never know. Maybe you'll fucking come in and. What about your Ainsley Maitland Niles? He could come a in and play. Amen. Amen is fucking dead. <laughs> Amen's dead. <laughs> now I think we have got options. I think um, Ryan mentioned it. Ben White plays it. He played at uh, defensive midfield. Callum Chambers could come in. He's uh, not Callum Chambers. Chambers Rob Holding. Rob Holding. Villa. Sorry, Rob Holding. To come in. He, We're he, actually he playing play Callum Chambers. I mean, yeah, yeah. Holding. I wonder if I wonder if you might see an entire. I wonder if you might see Arteta go after an entire, an entire change to formation, and we see him go into a essentially like a, like a three at the back, which means he doesn't necessarily need to carry that defensive defensive midfielder because he gains We're an extra, extra Villa, body who, in there. We're home to Aston Villa, who along with Bournemouth are just um, just looking poor at the moment. Yeah, it shouldn't be a game that we should worry too much about this. You know, Sambi is a good player. We can go in and we can do this. You know, it's, it shouldn't be an issue. Is that yes, yes. My yeah. face says it all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> those who are listening to the podcast, I'm in silhouette. You can't see me face. I might be able to sort that out in a minute, but uh, I can't be asked. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we shouldn't be worried about this, should we? I mean, it's just a bit of sod's law that we're losing all the players in the same positions. Inchenko, Party, Elneny. Um, I haven't heard the Elneny news either, so that's it's, it's news to me. But I'm, you know, I'm sure we're not going to be able to go into the transfer market and get someone up and running and playing in two or three days. So, uh, it, it, you know, we'll just have to live with it. But it is Aston Villa and we should be able to deal with it. Come on, we're, come on. I'm listening to you two talk about vampires and shagging men and all sorts of shit. Can't we just have a little bit of celebration that we're top of the league and we're going to be enjoying ourselves? Werewolves, but okay. That's fine. No, I, I'm excited. I have not excited, but like I personally would love to see Ben White there. I think he is, based on how we play, based on the, the system Arteta runs, I think Ben White would be a really good choice. Problem is, Arteta's not a guy to just throw a player in a new position, um, especially when he has this machine working and firing all cylinders. I um, think Arteta's the next, I think he's the next man up guy. And I think that yeah. surely he would know that if he didn't select Lekonga in there, that would be one of the biggest fuck yous to you Sammy Lekonga in history. Yeah, yeah. He did that to Tavares last year by playing Jacker at left back. He doesn't mm. care about people's feelings. He yeah, but Tavares run. had been fucking hooked twice within thirty minutes leading into that. So I don't yeah. think Sam. I don't think Sambi has ever done anything so bad. No, no, he looks a good I don't player. Even rem- I don't even remember Sambi ever having a, a like a stinker. Like, tell no, me no, Sammy's got minutes under his belt as well. Sam, didn't Sammy come on last weekend at, at the weekend and play for a few minutes? I think it's probably, yeah. yeah, I think it's probably a reductive conversation. You know, the next guy up there who has played six is Sampi Laconga, and I would expect Sampi Laconga to come in. And I wouldn't expect us really to start making massive wholesale changes considering what we're doing at the moment within the formation. You know, even Zinchenko out, Tierney in. Tinny essentially played very, very similar to Zinchenko, the opposite of what I said last week to you, Ryan. It, it, what you said ended up being quite true, that Tierney just pulled into midfield and did he Tierney things. He wasn't so good, was he? He wasn't so wasn't, good. But first, first, game, first game of the, the season for KT as well, so I'll I'll give him a pass. I, yeah. I wasn't staring at KT longing for Zinchenko. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. You know, Tierney's a great player. We haven't got an issue there. But when you see that the, the technical ability of Zinchenko when he comes into midfield was different to Tierney. Tierney, you know, I don't want to say he's a little bit more like Kalazanac, Said Kalazanac, but, um, you know, he's, he's he's a little bit square on Tierney, isn't he? He runs head down, uh, very powerful, very strong. He isn't the technically most gifted player that we've got. So I think when he came inside for for Zinchenko, did that, did, did that role, he didn't do it quite so well. It didn't give well, us... Well, I what, mean, Z- what, Zinchenko is a midfielder come left back, though. Yeah, so yeah. We, would, we would expect that, whereas... You know, as we were saying last week, KT is a left centre back. You know, KT is a is a left side specialist, essentially, with all the elements of the left side. It's interesting that you mentioned Tavares. Tavaj? Is it Tavaj, the way we're meant to say it? Tavaj? I fucking know. Nuno Tavares. Um, I find it quite incredible how many people, uh, Ryan, online, when a player who's very big and very physical and very athletic goes to a substandard league. And then they are like astonished by the fact that they go there and they dominate. Cause I'm not astonished by that, Ryan, the French league is a fucking farmer's league and I'm not taking anything away from Nuno, but like let's pump the fucking brakes because week in week out in the prem, 
is very fucking different to week in, week out in France. Yeah, I mean, also too, you know, he he's a left wing back. Uh, the system Marseille plays, they play a back three, um, so he's got a little more room to kind of run around. He's like a dog out in the park, and you know, needs to walk. So naturally, he's this is kind of his element. And Marseille are also a good team, um, you know. And to further your point, you know, Kalasnach uh, is is doing pretty well. Uh, on that team as well. Conduzzi's like their best player, I think. So it, it, it's it, it's interesting to see how the French league works. But no, I and and I brought this up last week on the show. You know, we, we talked about how, you know, do you think that when he comes back from a from a good loan spell at Marseille, do we think maybe we'll persist with him over KT? Because the way Zinchenko's playing, that's kind of what Nuno's doing and he's doing in Marseille and it's kind of what Nuno's specialty is. But I agree at the end of the day, you know, he He's in the French league, and I, I think he's doing bits because of of his competition. Um, but I do think that'll make him better, and I think that'll make him more malleable and a better solution for us in the long term. I just don't know if you know Arteta is gonna get get with his attitude and you know and and his confidence because it, it seems to be an issue when it goes down. Darren, it's a it's a week in week out thing to be a top player in the Premier League, isn't it? And it's not just what you do on the pitch. It's not just what you do in your ninety minutes if you're lucky, and your twenty minutes if you're off the bench. <clears throat> it's what you do every single day in training to prepare yourself to essentially go into battle every single week, sometimes twice a week. How do you see the the, the differences between what it clearly must be like playing in France and what it is to be playing in the Premier League? I think what we're learning this year, especially watching, I've watched a lot of football this year, um, an attitude seems to be the difference. You know what I mean? Uh, you've got to be obviously at a really high technical level and you've got to be able to work harder, run more, run faster, be stronger than most leagues in the world. That's that's always been English football. It has been played at 100 miles an hour and you don't have time to think. But what I'm seeing this year more than ever is the attitude. Look at the attitude of our players at the moment. You know, we're, we're really fighting for each, for each other. The crowd's behind the team. It's all one big family. But the teams that I've seen play really well, the Brightons, the Leeds United, you know, they're getting their results just by endeavour and work rate. And I think you have to sustain that every single game. Otherwise, you lose. You know, look at Manchester United going down to to uh, to Brentford and getting beat by four. You know, this is Brentford United against Manchester United. Look at the difference in the quality of those sides it's just attitude. So my, my point is, is I think if you drop for any minute in this league, you, you let in goals. You know, Gabriel at the weekend hesitated for, for two seconds on the ball and we let in a goal. And, and I don't think you get punished quite so much in the other, other leagues. And I don't think you have to work so hard. They're all played, except maybe Germany, they're played at a slower pace. You know? Well, I mean, even if we look at, um, look at a player like Reese Nelson, you know, who left us as a as an under-21 star, went to Germany and looked like the fucking god of football, playing out of position and scoring a shit ton of goals, and came back to us and looked like he wasn't at the grade. I, I just think there's too many, um, too many fans out there, too many people who don't take into account the the intensity and the the pool of talent that is in the Premier League compared to other leagues in the world. And I would say that for. 75% of the Spanish league. I'd say that was 75% or 80% of the Italian league as well, you know, and that's why if we get on to, you know, celebrating and being happy about winning in the Premier League to a, to take a line out of Aaron Ramsdale's book today, which I absolutely loved, is, 
you know, he said every game in the Premier League is brutally hard fought. And, you know, we will celebrate when we want to celebrate and how we want to celebrate. And I actually think <clears throat> that this is Mikel Arteta and a bit of modern management coming through because celebrating small wins, celebrating little things is really important because they start to build confidence and they start to build togetherness. And if you can't celebrate coming back from a goal down, not playing particularly well and celebrating the person, which is kind of what I, I think that was all about, Ryan. For me, uh, I reckon that was Arsenal celebrating Gabriel. That was Arsenal celebrating a guy who's been fucking monstrous for them for two seasons who fucked up, dropped his head. You saw all the boys get around him and he went down the other end and he scored the winner. And I think that was big of the outpouring. It was a thing of togetherness. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've won a game where we've been down 1-0 in the second half since 2013. So it's a it's a big deal for us. It's a big deal for the club. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's funny, too, because, you know, spoiler alert to people who haven't watched the nothing documentary, uh, or I should just say to Darren, um, they talk to, they talk to Gabrielle side by side, and they go, when you when you have the ball at your feet and your first touch is wonderful, you you're great. You're good with the ball. You can dribble. You can pass. When you have a shit first touch, you fucking look like a deer in headlights and you're lost. And you know, obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but when he has a bad first touch, he's shit. And I'm watching the game with my wife. What happens? He gets the ball, bad first touch, and he's just like Bambi on roller skates on an on an ice skating rink. Um, so it was, you know, it was. It was it's it's funny to you know to watch a documentary to see what goes on behind the scenes and to kind of see it translate on the on the pitch, which is which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, he really came back, you know, grabbed the the I guess the bull the bull by the horns, you know, the, the common saying. Um, and and I I give the fans all the credit in the world. I give Odegaard all the credit in the world. Arteta, and yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna fucking celebrate. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I didn't know there was a celebration police out there and, and, and relegate how, how the fuck I want to celebrate. If I want to be naked smoking a cigar on the halfway line at 90 minutes, then I'm gonna against against Fulham, not even caring. Yeah, just and, 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 and I said this, I tweeted this. Fulham were, I'm yes, we're four games in. I understand that, but Fulham is was the most organized team we've played this season by a, by a long shot. The organization was was top notch. They they came they came prepared to play us, and I think they might have even they they were even the probably the best team we've played on the field that day. We probably beat Fulham nine times out of ten, probably four nil or more. But you know they came prepared. They came to play, and and like you said last week, and it's something that the Arsboros constantly say. You know, two teams get get paid to play. It's not just us against robots and AI. So. Um, yeah, it, it was a good hard fought win, and yeah, fuck yeah, we're going to celebrate. Darren, the psychology of the team now, would you agree that that's something that's, you know, you sort of spoke a few minutes ago about how it's kind of about efforts and it's about the, the, the togetherness of the teams and, you know, how people put the work in, but also I think we're starting to see a really big shift in, in psychology now, and that's driven by Arteta. Do you know what? It's it's hard to say. I, I, don't, I don't want to get carried away with all this. I mean, you know, I've said that it was attitude is the difference in the Premier League. You know, you've got to be up for it all of the time. Otherwise, you get found out. 
But I'm, a, I'm, you know, you know, I'm the biggest optimist in in, in Arsenal's um, fan book, and yet we have played four sides that in any season we should expect to win. If these if these if these games have been scattered through a season last season or the season before. Palace away is tough, but we would expect to beat them. And the other three, really, we should be winning. You know, with Bournemouth away, and you know, and uh, Leicester, and uh, and and Fulham at home. These are these are sides. So let's not get carried away. The, where we will judge this side is if they get a hiding. You know, last season we got beat five at Manchester City. We don't look like that at the moment. We look very very good. But in a game like this against a lowly team, full and well-organised, partner bus, but we're going to expect that from lots of lots of teams in the Premier League. If we can't break those teams down and score and we get beaten, I think that's when we see whether the attitude of these players has, has improved from last year. It feels like it has. It feels like there's a real togetherness and, and it really feels like the crowd are so much behind them at the home stadium that uh, that, that can make a difference. But come on, we have only beaten four sides that we should beat and most of the big clubs will win those four games. So I don't think we should get too carried away now with with how good we are mentally. Ryan, I think that's something that Scunny Mike has always said, though he's always made a point of saying, you know, the mark of a good team isn't always that they just swat away the lowly teams or, you know, they do them 8-0 and and 9-0 and things like that. But the mark of a, a, a good team, mark of a team who's going to have a good season is often when... They don't play particularly well and they reach down and they find it and they get the job done. Yeah, I mean, it, and that, and that's another thing too people say, you know, uh, we didn't play well and we, 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 we snatched, what is it, we snatched the, the victory from Jaws defeat. I don't fucking know, it's too early for me. But um, I actually thought we played quite well. I think we, I think we were, were definitely the better team. We had 75% possession. I think actually it ended up being 73 Um Mitrovic can fuck off. He said we had two lucky goals, but yeah, we were the better team. So, I mean, it's it's games like these where last season where like things just weren't working. We were having trouble. We couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Couldn't pull them back in the net. And then the other team would score, and we'd be like, "Well, we fucking tried. It is what it is. We tried." And Ryan, Ryan, the yeah. point is as well. We had Lacazette and Aubameyang as our goal scorers who were firing blanks all season. It doesn't feel yeah. quite the same now, does it? It yeah. feels like there's goals in lots of areas of the pitch. Martinelli, even, even Erdegaard, the Ketia, Jesus. Even the Ketia coming on, Darren, looked dangerous. He looked deadly and he looked robust and strong and looked fucking hungry as fuck. Yeah. I think mean, he, he was getting my plus two. I, I know we, 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 we've been kind of lacking in our... And our plus three, plus two, plus ones, and minuses, and all that good I stuff. I still think, I still think Eddie about it at the end of games, good. though. Who would be oh, that three? Two I do all the time, Eddie. And I said this. I I think it was this show. Uh, the 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 difference, the gap that in skill that Eddie made this preseason is massive. I've ne- I've never seen a player jump in skill and ability as much as he has. Um, I'm excited, man. I think he's going to be a real threat. I and I and I said this on another podcast. I think he's going to be our second uh, in all competitions. He's going to be second in goals for us. I think he's going to be a threat. I think he just needs to score that one goal. You know, let let, let the floodgates open. And, and just needs Europa, Ryan. He just needs Europa. Yeah. He's going no, yeah. to he's going well, well, to cunt them in in Europa. Yeah. So, Max, here's a question for you. Then, I mean, we've got we're now at a stage where we're going to be playing two games a week, pretty much until the World Cup. Yeah, if you've seen the schedule, I think we've got nine games in October. 
It's uh, it's an incredible schedule. It starts this week, Wednesday. We know we've got problems with with injuries in that central midfield position. Would you now rotate to bring, let's say, Eddie in for a start against Villa, remembering that our next game is away at Manchester United? Would you now start to rotate slightly for the next game? No, because I think that you the the points come where the points come, and every game is worth the same amount of points. Does that make sense? But isn't it every worth? Game is, every game is worth the same amount. What I would be doing is I would be saying to the team, let's go out there and put it on Villa early so that I can make the changes early so that yep. we can get some stuff out of people's legs. That would be my plan because ultimately there's no guarantee that we go and win the next game. And I've always hated this idea of that you rest someone to try and win the next game when it's a big game. <clears throat> if that Villa game with us at full strength is a 90% win likelihood, 85% win likelihood, then I go out full strength and I take my three points and I put them in the bank. You know, it's it's as simple as that, but... Wouldn't you want to get some... I mean, we're not talking about wholesale changes. You know, let's say, for example, we wanted to get Eddie back into the side um, to give him 90 minutes to start. None of us would be that upset if if we started with... Uh, I'd, with consider playing, I'd consider playing Eddie with Jesus and putting Eddie up front yeah. and sticking yeah, yeah, Jesus out onto a wing. Well, that's what I'm saying. So then you Sack, could maybe give Saka a break. Martinelli or Saka. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that was yeah. more where I was coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought... I was, I was thinking that and I was saying this to Toby after the game. I was saying the best thing that has come from Jesus is that it's not like, you know, with Aubameyang, it was like, oh, well, we've got to, uh, if we want to keep Aubameyang on the pitch, we've got to move him out wide and we lose a winger. With with Jesus and with Eddie, it's like, if I want to get Eddie on the pitch, and I want to start seeing Eddie come on the pitch a little bit earlier now after that game, I'm like, fuck bringing you on at, you know, 80 minutes and giving you 10 minutes plus injury time to get on. Like, I want to see Eddie coming on 70 minutes. And I, think say, I'd like to see, I think I'd like to see Eddie start the next game. And, and he's, 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 he's given them real, he's given them real problems, Eddie. And he looks, I know we already said this in the last couple of episodes, but he looks a lot bigger. He looks a lot more robust. And even to an extent, they popped the camera on his face. You know, over the last couple of years, he's really looked very baby faced. Like, I mean, he's looked like a, like a little boy. Um, you know, they popped the camera onto his face and he looked like he had the bit between his teeth. Like he looked like he 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 looked like he had gone through a change. He looked like he'd gone through a maturity. And I was I was just super, super impressed with him. I haven't been I, I'm not gonna put my hand up and say I've been one of these guys who's been on the Eddie bandwagon the whole time. I'm no big Steve. You know, I've done podcasts where I've said he's not good enough. I've said we should sell him, you know, but I'm not so fucking small that I'm not willing to say we progressed with him and he has progressed with us. And now I'm seeing something that I didn't think that I was going to see out of him. I didn't think I was going to see that level of, ah, uh, I think like, it was very brave. Of, I think it was very brave of the club to offer him a, a new deal because, you know, strike, we've invested a lot of time and effort and money into, into the development of Eddie. And now if you look at the age of strikers, strikers don't normally hit their best until 24, 25, and then up until 29, 30. That's that five, six-year period where you've got them at their best. He's still young. And he's, you're not on your own, Max. We all thought that Eddie probably wasn't going to make it. And then suddenly, the end of last year, when we were saying he's playing for a contract or playing for a transfer, playing, playing for a new club, 
he was exceptional. You know, he, he suddenly he has come on leaps and bounds. And now pre-season, I saw a, a, bit, a bit of him. And every time he's, he's, he's put a shirt on, he's doing something special now. I don't think we're in a situation where we should worry about starting Eddie. I'd like to him to get into the goals. Home to Aston Villa, maybe rest Sack or rest Martin, Eddie. Switch the switch whichever one over to the other side, and it just gives us one player. And with the rest. additional subs now, Darren, if it's not going well, you just fucking change it. You know, it's not like three subs where you're like, oh, I've, I've massively fucked this up. Ryan, you know, one of the things I've been really interested with Eddie, and actually I'll bring Darren in on this as well. I didn't realize he had this level of kind of junkyard dog in him because that's how that's the the type of player that I'm seeing out of him this season. I think we always saw. He was a bit of a finisher and, you know, he had some nice technique. But I just love the the physicality and him running down players and running down blind alleys. That's something for me that I'm like, whoa, you know, we can't, you can't always buy that. That's just something that's in that's inherent. He looks like someone who is thinking right now, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to make it at a big club because he will have watched Ryan, players like Joe Willock, you know, go off and sign for for other clubs on big money and do not much. You would have watched other academy guys like Ainsley Maitland-Niles get all their starts and not take their opportunities and, and get punted out the back door. Do you reckon he's got that real bit between his teeth now and he's almost got a bit of like, fuck you, I'm going to make it here about him? I mean, let's not mince words here. It's our it's our favorite word. I mean, Eddie, Eddie's a cunt. He's, he's, he's our cunt. And he... Has and and, and and I I noticed it when we were, I first really noticed it when we were playing West Ham last season, and seeing Declan Rice just like see like watching a player just you know see red is never something you want to see in your player, but when you see another player, it just I don't know it gets me hard as fuck. Um, but yeah, seeing Declan Rice, who is normally a very <laughs> calm player, um, on and off the field, seeing him just loses shit with Eddie. Uh it it it's good to see. It's good to see from a player like Eddie where you know the goals are there. He's you know the leading goal scorer um all time for what is it the England 20 England under international yeah so he most he amount of most goals. amount of goals in a season for Arsenal under 21s as yeah, well. I, most amount of goals he's ever. got those fucking records that don't really mean shit because it's it's you know I think that's what let people down about him when he came into the team early last season. Ryan, I think that's why people got off him. Yeah, because he was always, they were like, oh, he's a poacher, he's a poacher, he's a finisher. And then he had lots, he had opportunities, but he didn't take them. And, you know, it's been spoken about, but he said publicly, you know, if you don't get three, four, five games in a row under your belt, you know, you never get a feeling for it. But um, Darren, the, the, the Ian Wright parallels that you made early on that I kind of didn't see in the last, definitely last week I started to see it. I was like, I, I get it now. It's not just about the finishing. You know, it's Jesus, about... So we moved on to Jesus now. No, no, no. We, we were talking about Eddie my, being very no, Ian no, Wright. No, my my right, comparison is with Jesus with uh, Ian Wright. Uh, Eddie's nothing like him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's nothing like him. Ian Wright was, it's that small, low centre of gravity tearing. Well, Eddie's like that. But no, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that's the type of player people thought we had in Eddie when we were disappointed. Yeah, it's a huge jump up in class from the under 18s, under 20, under 21s into the Premier League. You know, it, it, you know they're finding their feet. As I say, it's an age thing for me. We're seeing his development before our eyes. We're seeing a kid that came in 
possibly too young, but we wanted to keep him and gave him minutes, but he didn't progress. Look at the guy, who's the other one, Balogun. You know, we can see that when we played him. He's nowhere near the level. Another that, one who's uh, gone over to France and done Premier well. League. You know, and, it, and hopefully that will work. He'll get, <laughs> go into a lower level, but a better level than he was playing at in the reserves and he'll learn his trade. And we're, you know, these players are going to get good as they get older. Say 25 to 30 is your peak for a striker. And what is Eddie now? 23, is he? Something around that, 23. We're seeing him develop before our eyes. He's getting bigger and stronger. He's getting hungrier. He's starting to understand. There was a comment I heard from uh, one of our players who was out on loan last year. Uh, and I can't remember. Is the one of the double-barreled names, Cuffley, Chumley, Walmart. Oh, Norton Cuffey? Yeah. And he said, you know, when he played in going out on loan, what he one of the things that he realised that these... These are professional footballers and winning is all about money when you drop down a level or two. You know, it was all about their win bonuses. And if you didn't put in a shift, he said, you were soon told, you know, hang on, this is football. This is our livelihood. Get your fucking act together. And I think when you're a youngster coming through the Arsenal Academy, playing on these beautiful pitches, being well looked after, going into school, going into classrooms, dreaming of that move up into the first team. And then suddenly, you know, you get to the real world and it's fucking hard out there. And I think this is what we're seeing before our very eyes. Eddie is getting better and better. And I think he's actually earned the start now. I think with United coming up, I think we want to have our players really firing. And I'd like to, I think it's a good opportunity at home with a crowd that loves him, that a crowd that's going to be behind him against a, a, a poor, low-in-confidence Aston Villa side. I think this is the time where we do make a couple of changes. So we're really, really strong for the Manchester United game, which is a very, very important game early on now. Now, they've won twice. They're in the top eight. They beat Liverpool. Puck, you know, that, that's important. That's, that's a big test. Ryan, I guess while we're talking about squad and squad depth, um, it would be remiss of us not to have a conversation about the transfer window. Now, I'm not I'm not one of these guys I have conversations about players who I've never fucking seen before. Everyone's on about this Ukrainian guy who's the flavour of the week mm-hmm. this week. And, you know, then everyone's on to Asensio. And, I mean, if I'm looking at it, Ryan, I think that it's clear for most people to see that we're probably, oh, sorry, almost certainly we are a winger short to replace Pepe to give Saka a little bit of a break. Um, in my opinion, I'd love to have someone who can maybe play both roles between kind of centre forward and wing, but that might be a pipe dream. And also, we're still, despite Shaka's form, we're still probably looking at, at number eight depth. Anything that you're kind of thinking as far as the transfer window is what you're like, I, if I don't get this by the end of the transfer window, I'm going to be worried about our sustainability. Well, it's funny. I actually wasn't worried about us until I saw the all Nitty news um, when I got up. So, but we yeah, weren't I even mean, thinking about six cover. Now, now are you thinking yeah. six cover? It's funny. I, I do. Th- don't be wrong. I do think we need an, another wide forward, and um, I think it'll help us. But you know, we have we have, and, and I know people are going to be like, "Oh, they're not good enough. Not good enough." But we have Reese Nelson coming back from injury. He can cover. Is it good enough? At this point, I don't think so. But he's covered. We have Mark. We have Mark. Yeah. Do Marquinhos? Everyone loves him. Artetis came out in an interview saying he's not. He's too good for the U23s or U21s. I don't think he's going to play there. Where, so does this Fier- he- Where does this Vieira kid play? What's his his preferred? Um. Well, he 
and and that's funny. He actually for the U twenty threes when he did when he did play that one game, he played he played as a right winger. But people said he's not good. People said he's better in the middle of the field. That's where he's probably is he an eight or a ten. He's a ten. He's well, he's more of a ten. He can play eight. Um, but I think, he's more I think of an guard type player. Yeah, I was going to say. I think when you look at his profile, they were saying that he played across the attacking line. You know, so he's an attacking midfielder. So he can play all the way across that that line. So he, he, I'm sure he could play there. But I think he's an Erdegaard replacement, or he's. Uh, you know, anywhere when we want to play with that diamond, where we want to play with one holding and two going forward. Jacker's role at the moment, he could do that the way Jacker's going forward. He could do Erdegaard's role. Um, sorry to speak, I mean, Obi. I mean, I mean, e- I mean, ESR still, ESR still to to make his way into this team as well. He played plenty of time off left wing. I know people don't see they don't see him as right wing cover well, as well. You're right, Max. That's the other bit, isn't it? If ESR plays on the left up front, which he's played most of his football for Arsenal, then Martinelli can switch to the right, and that to give us a, gives us an option. And who's the other Brazilian that we bought? Uh, Marquinhos. 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 Um, the reports are well, very I mean, good people there. Say, but... People say he's too young, but, I mean, we bought Gabby at the same age, even younger. Yeah, and I think, you know, unlike with the defender, where it's a little bit more of a, you know, it's a little bit more worrying, like the Tavares thing or Tavares uh, thing, um, I think we could, especially in the Europa Leagues, we might see, how do you pronounce his name? Marquinhos? Marquinhos. 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 We could see him. The reports are good. He's uh, he's not going out on loan because he's impressed, you know, so he's he's training with the first team. I think as the season goes on, we might we might well see him. I do th- still think we probably do need, I think the Tienemans thing is, is still available. I think uh, that's going to be I a deadline have- day. Hold At this your stage, Darren, I'd really like to... My preferences, I said this the other day in a tweet, my preferences would be for Neto and Tielemans. Yeah. They would be my yeah. preferences. Me because too. you're coming into a team that's already playing really well and to not have to integrate people, having seen how, how little integration Zinchenko took and how little integration uh, Jesus took. I know they're, they're very high-level players, but... For me, if I'm looking at the, the immediate development of the team and the kind of assets that we have and the younger assets, I, I would much prefer, I'd feel more comfortable. What are they saying? Uh, they reckon Tillemans, we're holding out for 30 and they want 40 odd. When they say Neto, yeah. they were holding out for 60 and we I, would I know just think, Yeah, I don't think um, the Neto thing will happen. I agree with you. I think that will be a great signing. But if you look at what they've just sold to, was it to... Uh, who just bought their other young player? At, um, and they've just sold someone, you know, for a ridiculous amount of money. So not in the forest, 25, 30 million. They're going to be looking, you know, they're going to be looking now a lot of money for Neto. And I just don't think we can afford them both. You know, we say we're playing within financial fair play, but if you wanted those two players, you're talking about another million for the two. And can we actually afford to do that? Are they the right players? How far down the list do you go? You know, um, when we bought Zinchenko, he wasn't first choice. You know, if, if you wanted Rafinho, was it Rafinho at Leeds? Um, he didn't come. So then your next choice was Tiedemann. You know, how far down that list do you go before it, it isn't the right player? It isn't your first choice. And I think, you know, we may end up holding on till January. You've got to remember, we've got a very short first half of the season. We're going to be playing till mid-November and then we've got six weeks off. Well, that means that January is almost like a summer transfer window. You know, there'll be players that do really well at the World Cup who will suddenly be worth a lot of money. But there'll be 
players then, you've got a, a lot of games in the back half of the season. And I think then Tiedemans, I don't know what his contract situation is, but is he on his last year? He's on, he's you know, in his, yeah. he's in his last he's year. That's, where, that's where the pressure, that's so where the pressure be, comes from. So there'll be six months left on his contract in, in January. You know, they may then want to take something. You know, I think they the may... issue we have with Tillemans is Manu are after him and Newcastle United are after him. So I think and if we know anything about Manu, <laughs> if they fucking panic enough, they'll pay fucking anything for anyone. Yeah, and they you are know, at the moment. Well, they just pay hundred million for hundred million euros for Anthony, eighty million pounds. Yep. They you just know, they... fucking they just keep cutting checks, huh? They're just cutting checks on fucking Garbage. They're such a Frankenstein of a team. It's fantastic. Long may it continue. Yeah. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. We should be worried. Chelsea, you know, bought for Fana now, haven't they? I don't know if that one's gone through in the last few days, but the clubs are now have agreed to fucking, now. That's a fucking good signing from Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. As well. You know, Chelsea. Chelsea haven't stopped. You know, so you know, once they get their act together, they're going to be very hard to stop. Good United. signing for us too, because Martinelli was skin, skinned him alive at Leicester. He's going to skin him three, two more times against Chelsea. So I'm excited. Bring, bring Fafana on. I don't care. <laughs> Marinelli had him for lunch. He's going to have him for lunch. Two more times. I'm not worried about it. But real quick, uh, the only thing I wanted to say about Tielemans was uh, I did hear he was with other teams, but I also heard that we're his preferred destination. And the way our club, the way we see it is why are we going to give him, why are we going to pay him a fee when he's just going to come to us in the summer for free? Now with injuries and everything that's been going on in the in, in the last few may hours, force us may force us to push it may it through, force but. us to yeah push to, to give them some money especially if there's only ten especially if there's only ten million Ryan you know if there's 20 30 million between between valuations and I'm all for Arsenal being better at contracts and not overpaying for people and being in powerful positions and players wanting to come and play for us which I think makes a difference as well because Tillemans may very well be sitting there and going, I don't fucking want to go to Man U. They're cooked. Those cunts yeah. are fucking cooked. You know, I don't want to go be the, the, the brunt of their hatred, you know, and he might be looking at Newcastle and going like, I don't fucking want to live up there. It's cold as fuck. And as yeah. Darren says, fuck Newcastle. I think that was uh, clear with Frankie de Jong as well. He wanted, you know, United wanted him. He didn't want to go there. They were bottom of the table. But, you know, you can all unrest. They're on the back pages for the wrong reasons. And he said, if I, I don't want to go, if I have to go, it will be Chelsea. I don't want to go to Manchester United. You know, we're living in a world now where Manchester United are not the draw apart from financially. And, uh, mm. and the manager. You know, the manager, these players that are going there now have played under him before. And don't get me wrong, they will be strong again, United. This manager, I think, is good. But we know by what how long it's taken us to weed out the, the shite and buy new oh, players. They've got to go, they go back they're, to grassroots. They're, they're, they're a year or two medicine. away. Yeah, they've got to take their medicine and then build on top of it. Fucking absolutely. Um, absolutely. Look, Tillemans, I'd be... Like I said, I'd be very happy with Tillemans. From the first transfer rumours that we could possibly get Tillemans, I've always thought right age profile, loads of experience, um, gives us something that we don't have as well because we don't hit. We don't come balls from outside the box. Other than Xhaka's one a year that he cunts, we've, we, haven't, ha we yeah. haven't had some... Yeah, but they're both yeah. one a year wonders. We haven't had someone... For a long time. Who's the last person we had? I know it's an on-the-spot question. Last person we had who would regularly, regularly more than once or twice a year, regularly fucking 
I don't even know who the fuck that is. Oh, Regularly come, come on, you must from know distance. John Jensen. He's an Arsenal John legend. Jensen. I'm fucking 37, Darren. I'm 37. <laughs> not fucking 87. Do you know, when John... Oh, come on. John Jensen is Arsenal. You must know that, that story. Fuck me. We bought him on the back of a Euros or a World Cup where he hit a screamer like you're talking about from 35 what year? yards what in the top corner. What fucking year are you talking about, Darren? Fuck me. ain't that long ago. What uh, year? Year? I'll Google it in a minute. Yeah, I uh, fucking guarantee you, I was either still in dad's nutsack. John Jensen, but, but he then played for us for about three years and didn't score. We bought him on the back of this fabulous goal he scored. He played about three years for mm -hmm. us, didn't score. And when he finally scored, they sold T-shirts out the ground. Everyone was wearing a John... I was there when John Jensen scored T-shirts. Fucking hell, you lot don't know your history. Fuck you, <laughs> yeah. Darren. Back 900 appearances, one goal. Yeah, when you were signing, what year? We, 92, 92, 92. Mate, I was in grade fucking two. I was in grade two in 1992, Darren. Fuck How you. How old was that? I don't know what grade two is. Fucking seven. I was seven. Oh, well, I was supporting Arsenal for two years by the time I was seven. Fuck you, Darren. <laughs> Fuck you. Now I've completely forgotten what I was going to talk about. Aaron Ramsey would have been the last one who we had who scored belters. On there, the oh, look, hang on, look, the Mr. Arsenal podcast, I'm 33 and I know John Jensen. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he, that. It, I put that up on the screen a minute ago. You just didn't yes. see it because you're fucking blind and old, you cunt. To be fair to Ryan in the chat, he fucking hosts like quiz like every other week. Exactly. Guys, guys are fucking Arsenal encyclopedia. Yeah. Have you heard I mean, of Tony he Adams? Have you heard of Tony Adams? I will yeah. fucking fly Rings there, a bell. and I will David Seaman. <laughs> John Radford. Mm. Pat Jennings. Frank McClintock. Can we move John on, Jensen. Can we move on before Pat you Jensen. start slagging off Sol Campbell again and emptying everyone out of the fucking room? That'd be very good. Thank you. <laughs> God, anyway, last player, last player that we had who regularly counted balls from distance was Aaron Ramsey. Just saying, last person we had. Yes. In fact, I can't. Even, I would even question when was the last time we had a midfielder who scored, a midfielder who scored more than ten goals in the Prem in the season, would have been Ramsey as well. We've been starved. We've been starved of midfield goals for, for quite some time, and old Arsenal teams used to share them around a lot more, as well, which is interesting. Anyway, the point that I was making was Tillemans. He he's got a cracker in him. He'll fucking come one, from distance. No problems. Um, fuck, what else we got to talk about? Anyone else? Anyone got a topic? I'm underprepared. That was my birthday. I, I, just, I really like Gold. Murdoch. I don't know. His, I can't fucking pronounce his name. I'm not Ukrainian, but I just call him Murdoch. Uh, Did you know him before you watched a YouTube video of him, though? Uh, funny enough, yes, I've heard of him. Uh, oh, I mean, so, because I, I could... Clive, if you're listening to this, cover your ears. I could, I could jack Clive off on Arsenal fan, uh, <laughs> Arsenal Vision podcast all day, every day. I just listen. I hang on every word he says. He brought him up when uh, Ukraine played Scotland in the World Cup qualifiers, and I, I, I watched the game too. I was a little bit drunk. I was at a baseball game, but whatever. Um, I rewatched it, and yeah, I think he's a real player. I think he's going to be good for us. He's young, and I think you know, with us just bringing in Zinchenko, I think he could be a real a real asset to us. And he's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than Pedro Neto, so uh, I'm all aboard that train. Um, well, there are I plenty am, of rumors about Zinchenko being at the airport. So. Yeah, they, uh, uh, someone in the chat brought that up, and I like oh Ryan brought it up. I do. 
would a player pick up a pl- another play? Like, I, like I feel like that's that doesn't make. I don't agree with that. Yes, they're the, they're from the same national team, but uh, yeah, I, I yeah, and to our uh, to Mr. Russell's comment, yes, I was very intoxicated. I I I I'll, maybe I'll go get it. They they sell like these plastic bats, and they pour the beer in the bats. It's 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 genius. I was wasted. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, go yard goats. But uh, yeah, no, I. It's going to be interesting to see like what we do to get this to get a midfielder across across the uh, the line because I I do think we need one. So do we? I I really don't think we're gonna we're gonna really buck up and pay a lot of money for Pedro Neto or we're gonna want to pay a lot of money. So do we? Apparently it's apparently, I was just I was just checking on Twitter before. Apparently it's done. It's finished. The Neto thing's finished according to yeah. most sources. The price tag was too high and yeah they don't want to let him go. So yeah, I think we maybe make a sacrifice, maybe pay a, a younger profile what we're normally attracting for cheap money that no one's ever heard of, or we don't sign a winger because we have Reese Nelson coming back. Ranger. We have Marquinhos, we have ESR, we have all these players. Do I think we need another one? Yeah, I think I think we could use another one that's kind of more integrated in, uh, with the Premier League and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, we had we had an eighty million pound player who was integrated into the team and still did the square root of fuck all for the vast majority of games that he played for us. You know, I was talking to someone about Pepe the other day, someone from another who supports another football team, and he was like, "You guys are crazy." You know, when we played you, he bummed us. And I was like, do you watch us in any other games except for when we play you? And he was like, nah. And I'm yeah. like, that would have been all the fuck that yeah. cut did for that whole fucking season. I think, you're, I think you're being too harsh. Pepe was exceptionally good going forward, but he was very, very poor at the, at the intelligence side of the game. He was very he was also poor. very at, poor at coming off the bench, which I think was one of his biggest. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, counts. I think you're sort of, because now he's gone, you're starting to get into that. Well, he was crap. He was rubbish. If you look, I used to pay money to go and watch him every week. And he was a great, exciting player. He just didn't fit Arteta's style where you needed to be in a certain Aaron, position I've if you lost the ball. Ask Sorry, Ryan. I've, shirt. I've, I've, I fucking Have you got a Pepe, Pepe. shirt? I, in fact, even at one point said, fucking play him up front when Aubameyang was playing. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I was like, fucking throw him up front. He'll, he'll kill it. The, Take the him thing away that killed from having Pepe, to run up and down a touchline. The thing that killed Pepe was the amount of money we bought him for. If we'd have bought him for 20 yeah. million, the crowd would have actually got behind him a bit more and supported him a bit more. But the fact that we paid you know, a club record amount of money for a player that really wasn't worth that sort of money... It was, it was embarrassing. And you know, you know what? It's not his fault and it's not no, the no. fans' fault. It's not no, the it's fans' not. fault for expecting more from someone who was our entire summer transfer budget. And it's not Pepe's fault that no, no. agents paid so much for him that it, it fucking blew him out of the water. And, I, you know, I've said this before, but if you go back to reports when he landed at Arsenal, there were reports that people didn't know where he went after training. He didn't integrate. He didn't make friends. <clears throat> he didn't train particularly hard. He didn't make any effort. To learn English, you know, this you have to keep in mind. I mean, go back to yourself, go back to your, your 19, 20, 21 year old self. And this is very difficult for these guys, you know, especially guys coming out of parts of French speaking Africa. And, you know, they're on massive fucking wages and in this big world of football. And there's a whole people don't realize it's not a game of FIFA. You know, just because you've got 94 shooting doesn't mean you wake up every day and you feel on top of the world and you're not homesick and you go in and you train hard. So I've got no, I have no disdain for Pepe. That wasn't the point of what I was saying. No disdain for Pepe. The point of what I was saying was people say, 
we've got to go sign, you know, another winger. We've got to go sign someone else. And they bring up all of these different names. And I'm like, well, the guy who we signed, who had been successful where he was, there was no signs that Pepe was going to be unsuccessful, didn't make it at Arsenal. So, you know, what's the harm in playing a, a Marquinhos or, you know, playing someone else? We, we did it with Martinelli and got wonderful results out of him. But I think it goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast. It's about attitude in the Premier League. What you've said about his training, his lacking and learning the language, all of those things lacking to integrate. You know, the profile of the players that we're signing now, attitude is a key one. They're hungry. They're young. They're hungry. They want to do things. Previously, he was the last one. Pepe was the last one in my mind of the old regime's ridiculous signings because of a relationship with someone. There was no way that should have, we should have spent £70 million of our money on that player um, for, for the, the main reason he wasn't quite up to Premier League standard. And two, his attitude probably wasn't right for a, yeah. a, a side that Mikel Arteta wants to challenge for the Champions League title. That's our goal, isn't it? Three, you, four could years argue, time. you could argue, Darren, that someone did not scout his personality and I think that's really important I think that's important to Arteta you know you, you want to make sure that person's going to fit look speaking of people who aren't young are probably overpriced and might be slightly over the hill I boom was, boom uh, rumors going around that Zaha a childhood Arsenal fan um 29 years old uh, I don't think he's going to cost us a huge amount in a transfer but his wages will be his wages will be fucking plenty good he'd be up in the top five or six earners for us ryan worth a dip on zaha just if i think about last season i think about all the fucking vitriol in january when people said oh you know we were just one player away or we were this away or that away zaha fill a gap for two years 29s by no means old old would you be willing to take him on a low transfer fee what i would imagine would be 200 grand a week to play second fiddle to Martinelli and, and Saka? I mean, he, well, looking at it from the transfer side mm -hmm. of things, uh, he's got to force a move because I think I... Apparently, I just, apparently according to, according to, to yeah, Ryan, that's what he he's, says. he's put through. He's going to have to because I don't think, I think Palace is... He's got, one, he's got one last chance, Zaha. He's got one last chance to not be a, a massive fucking fish in a tiny little pond. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I think Palace are going to take an, a crazy amount of money to sell him. I don't think they're. I don't think they want to sell him. I don't think they're going to sell him. I really don't think they're going to sell him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, well, let, let, let me just preface by saying I don't want him. I don't want him. I, it's too late. Sorry. Him or no one. Him or no one. No one. No one. That's um, fucking bullshit, Ryan. What do you mean, what do you mean bullshit? I read. But we have Reece Nelson, no we have Marquinhos, we have, we have players there. I don't. I, as much as I, I as much I agree it. with you, as much as I agree with you that you have players, Zaha is still a dominant, proven no, yeah, Premier League, dominant, does, proven Premier League player. He doesn't fit the system, any, and I don't know if he's going to integrate with the players well. And going back to what I was going to say before Ryan made the comment, and yes, I was thinking about Zaha before he made the comment, Ryan. I'm kind of smart. Sometimes, um, and I was gonna, I was going to ask. I was going to ask. I was going to ask Twitter, but I like forgot. I think I scratched my balls instead. Um, but do do we do do you think if we had signed Zaha instead of Pepe, you think we would be further along? Like no, I don't do you, think. Made, I don't where think do you see us in another difference. universe, or do you think Zaha would would be that same player, and Zaha would be at Nice right now? Um, I think that's interesting. To, an interesting discussion because I, I don't I don't, I don't know how we would have affected us. 
Well, there's a couple of things there. That last point, yes, absolutely. I think if we'd have signed Zaha instead of uh, Pepe, absolutely would have made a difference because Pepe didn't have the attitude, didn't have the Premier League experience, wasn't as good as Zaha. So I think Zaha would have made a hell of a lot of difference. Second point, Max, when you ask Ryan his opinion and Ryan gives you his opinion, you can't then say that's bollocks because it's his opinion. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, and, no, you're and wrong. And thirdly, this is 2022, I can yell at whoever thirdly, I Thirdly, I think Zaha is one of the best players in the Premier League and we should bite their hand off if we can get him and he will improve us no end. He is absolutely Premier League proven. He is, has got such a hard work rate that he does all of those things that we were worried that Tavares didn't do. He would raise the level of Martinelli and Saka because he is at the very top of his game. He also gives them genuine second, competition. He's only second to Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Bruyne in my mind, of, of players of that sort of ability at that sort of age. And I think that I, I am very much a, a fan of Arsenal buying all of these young players. I think it's a great way. If we can improve all of these youngsters that we've got in two or three or four years' time, we will be right at the top end of the table again. You know, and I'm talking to the top of the table of European football, not just the Premier League. And I think Zaha would be a fabulous stopgap for, for two years. And And if we can get him, I think we should absolutely do it. I agree with everything you said, Darren. The only thing I disagree with is, A... He did the small, he did the, what, what is it? The small fish, the big pond. He did that at Man U, did not work. So I don't think he's going to work for us. And B. It was a kid. It was a kid. Though. Yeah. You know, whatever. That was 2004. Oh, yeah. That was, fuck, dude. I'm, it was a kid. The real youngster. That was eight years. That was eight, over eight years ago. That's fucking insane. But anyways, my, my last point was, do you think he's going to take like a, he's not going to, like, I guess we he would start more times than not, but. You think he's going to take this role where it's like he might play, he might not play? So you have many soccer, so you many have competitions, so many yeah. competitions to play. So uh, yeah, many I, just, I, I see know, the thing I is, know. I think I love Martinelli. I love Martinelli. I love Saka. I think Zaha is better than both of them at the moment. You know? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. And we have, and we're looking looking for a winger. So we've got two games a week, nine games in October. If we could get a player so that you could rest those alternately, because he is getting older, I don't think, I think there is enough football there for Zaha. And Zaha, I think his mentality, when you watch the way he works for Palace, I think if he knows that he has yeah. to really raise his game for a couple of years to, to make it at the top, I think he'll be a fabulous signing. And I think, I think, he, playing, I think he would recognise that it was his last, I think he would see it as his last chance. You know, yeah. he, would see, he would see it as his last chance to, to make his mark um but good chat times, uh, good chat started slow but we we got into it in the end you know sometimes in life guys you know life is a lot like being drunk in a nightclub and you know it's the end of the night and at the start of the nightclub at the start of the evening you had aspirations you know aspirations of taking home a very beautiful girl or a pretty girl and making love to her and by the end of the night what you're left with is the option of ass fucking a fat bird and what I fear is that we're not at the point where we're just where we're just walking around a nightclub, one-eyed, completely fucking battered, just trying to grab anything will, that will let us get inside of them. And um, I don't think that's Zaha, you know. I don't think that's any of the players that we're going after. But what I would hope is that we maintain our dignity in this transfer window. That's what I do hope. I do hope we maintain our dignity. And at minimum, we make sure that we're taking home 
sevens and above, seven out of tens and above. I think that's what we we need to do. And I think that we'll get some business done. Um, We're going to be back next week, most likely after another Arsenal victory. I'm going to say 3-1 to the Arsenal with an Eddie Nketiah double. Um, now I've got to find two, the button. It won't be two games because we played. Yeah, it won't be two games, but don't interrupt him. He's about to find the button. Don't worry, <laughs> I found the button. Found the button. Press the button. Good night. an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.